The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's the Ellis Martin Report. Is it strange that companies featured on this program have given us cash money to be portrayed here? No way. They want you to know what's going on. Some of the analyst segments are sponsored as well. Catch us on the web at ellismartinreport.com. Here's the host of the Ellis Martin Report, Ellis Martin. Success Holding Group International trades under the symbol SHGT. SHGT was formed based on the philosophy and business strategies of Steve Chen, Asia's number one motivational speaker with over 80 million followers. Today I'm speaking with Michael Scarry, a shareholder with SHGT. Mike, welcome to the show. Now, you're a North American investor in SHGT. Tell me, why did you get involved with this particular company? The biggest reason I got involved was because of Stephen Chen. He is the most important aspect of the company. Stephen Chen is the number one motivational speaker of all of Asia. He's a disciple of Tony Robbins, who is generally regarded as the number one motivational speaker in the world. And Stephen Chen has such huge connections throughout Asia that his ego alone won't allow this company not to succeed. I mean, I fully expect that over the next two to three years, this company will have over a billion dollars in sales just based on his connections. I'm looking for a huge return over the next few years. What's the appeal here, perhaps, for us to invest in the company, the folks that are listening to this program? The company's already made application for the NASDAQ. They've made applications in Germany. The company's in the process of relating to much higher boards. If you look at the company's progress, it's already a profitable company. They've already got revenues and earnings. How many bulletin board companies do you know that can say that? I bet you can count them on almost one hand. So here's a company in its first year actually showed a major profit. This year they're anticipating 45 cents a share in earnings and they expect to be trading on the full NASDAQ as well as the general board on Frankfurt as well as in Canada. There's a lot of positives going on and it's just a matter of timing now as to when everything happens. What are some of the revenue streams that belong to SHGT? It's a holding company of sorts and I've looked at your business plan here and you're in the business of making short films and play advertisements in those films. You've got this triple eight health drink that's going to be purveyed in up to, I believe, 50,000 convenience stores and supermarkets around China by the end of the year. Is this going to be generating additional revenue? Is it already generating revenue? Where's the revenue come from right now? At this point, a lot of the revenues are coming from Stephen's motivational speaking. This year, he'll be doing somewhere in the neighborhood of 60, and they make close to a million dollars per engagement that he does throughout Asia. The movies, as you spoke of, those movies, from my understanding, are going to make somewhere in the neighborhood of an additional $60 million this year. Although they are looking at actually giving the movies for free because they have what's called O2O, which is offline to online. And they're going to be starting to promote their 888 drink as well as other products on there. So in order to get more followers, they're going to give them free movies for them to give up all their data. And, and they're going to build a database of over 
200 million people over the next 12 to 14 months. And those people will then we buy in their products. And the 80 to 8 drink is in about 9,000 stores in Shanghai right now. They expect to be in 50,000 throughout China before the end of the year. And China itself has over 1 million retail stores that are potential targets, but that is all based on the company doing a major funding so that they can supply the product. But they plan on being in most of those stores over the next few years. They started that process basically in the second quarter this year, and they're anticipating huge revenues, somewhere in about 12 million profit just on the 888 drink alone. They're selling movie, and the movies are actually selling advertising. So the advertising is actually paying the full cost of the movies, and anything they make once they're released is actually all profit. So there's really no negative cash flow here with regard to SHGT. The company is very positive cash flow. I mean, at the moment, they're putting the cash flow back into the business to grow the business, and they are in the process of actually doing a funding through Axiom in New York. They're doing up to $40 million raise to 12% per annum. The more money the company has, the more of the products that they can bring to market. So these would be ancillary concerns, correct? So they would not deplete any revenue that's currently being generated by any of the current holdings. If anything, it's going to increase revenue significantly. Now, I've been looking at your business plan and your prospectus. You're focusing on this sensational social media platform that I just recently became aware of. Many of my friends are on this platform worldwide. It's called WeChat. It's fascinating. It's comparable to WhatsApp and Viber, but in my opinion, it's better. Now, how is SHGT using this to improve upon revenues? They actually have 2,000 people situated in four different facilities, and all of the products and database that they have are being distributed by those people on WeChat so that they're selling product to the people that they have in their database. And that database is growing exponentially. Right now, they have about 85 million people in their database, and the goal is to have that database to up over 200 million by the end of next year. They're using WeChat. That's all these people do is they have their clients and they send out up to 100 million texts every month. Now, we touched on this earlier as far as why you're a shareholder in this company. And you also spoke about the fact that not many companies trading in the U.S. on the bulletin board really have anything to talk about or generating any revenue. Now, with the stock trading between 650 and 750 right now, what is the potential, and I underline the word potential, upside for somebody to get in right now as opposed to a year ago? Well, a year ago, the stock was probably a little overpriced because the company was just getting rolling, but there is such huge interest because of Stephen Chen being involved. I think the upside potential of this company is unlimited. I do expect that they'll be on the full NASDAQ this year, and I also anticipate that they'll be on New York within a year. And I'm anticipating that the company will have over a billion dollars in sales probably the next two to three years. So if that's the case, could we possibly, I underline the word possibly, could we see a $20 stock or are your ambitions much greater than that? My ambitions based on Stephen Chen's abilities and the fact and his connections in Asia, I can tell you, I believe his personal goal is to be bigger than Alibaba. So I think it's going to be higher than that, but one never knows until it actually happens. Alibaba is an internet concern primarily. And with SHGT, you're going to have holdings that are not always involved with regard to the internet. So there's less of a chance of being vulnerable to market trends if you have your hand in more than one basket, more or less. That's definitely a huge advantage here. I mean, the company is into several different markets. As I say, Stephen Chen is obviously the key employee here. He's the chairman and he's connected to so many companies in Asia. He actually does corporate retreats for a lot of these top companies. He is basically bringing all of the people and the companies that he's been involved with for many, many years to the market. The O2O that I mentioned earlier, O2O 
is bringing the offline companies, which are mom and pop stores, to the internet. They're bringing them to the world. So they're going to start selling their products through their website, which is MV888. They have just recently started and they're going to be selling all kinds of different products from mom and pop stops all over the world. And they will be taking a percentage. It's a very diversified company. I think that is one of its assets is the fact that any kind of trend isn't necessarily going to affect them in a negative way. Are there opportunities here in the United States for our listeners to become more familiar with SHGT as time progresses? Well, SHGT is actually an American company. The company is very much Americanized and they are planning on doing a lot more work in the U.S. I mean, they've already acquired parts of a couple of different U.S. companies as part of their holdings that they're anticipating to use for additional revenues. Some are already actually making some. Some are involved in the movie industry. Some are involved in other avenues. So they're doing very well. And as I say, it is very much a U.S. company as well as a Chinese company. Well, Mike, thank you very much for joining me today on the program. It's a pleasure to speak with you. And I may circle back in the future and chat more with you. Okay, I appreciate that, Ellis. And yeah, anytime you want to speak, uh, as I say, I'm very bullish on this company. And I think anybody that gets involved is going to be very happy down the road. I've been speaking with Michael Scarry, a shareholder with SHGT, Success Holding Group International. Just search the symbol SHGT and find a link to their website on the homepage of ours, ellismartinreport.com. I'm Ellis Martin. Join me now for a conversation with Dudley Baker of CommonStockWarrants.com and his new endeavor, MarijuanaSpeculator.com. Hey Dudley, welcome back to the program. Hey, great to be back with you, Ellis. Now, you and I have been following the metals sector forever, precious metals, base metals, the mining stocks, the junior mining sector. And in November of 2011, I said to you, I was sitting across the table from you at the Marriott Hotel in San Francisco. And I said to you, Dudley, this market is overbought. The gold market is overbought. It The price of gold has no reason to be where it is. And at that point, I think it was probably at around $1,400, $1,600, $1,700 an ounce. I don't remember exactly. And I said to you, it needs to come down to $900 because maybe that's a level that's realistic. And you didn't disagree or agree with me one way or the other, but you understood my reasoning, which is completely uneducated. I'm not an analyst. I don't have any financial background whatsoever. I'm a journalist. I've been a journalist for many, many years, and that makes me somewhat educated, but not any more or any less than any of the analysts that are consistently, present company excluded, making wrong predictions one right after another. We had a prediction from Jim Sinclair, I'll say his name out loud, he's been on this program, predicting $2,500 gold, $5,000 gold. On what basis, Dudley, is any of that ever going to happen? And then these gold bugs gave me just a ton of you-know-what for even mentioning that we could possibly have $900 gold and we've been below $1,100 an ounce recently so folks eat it yeah damn I mean where do I even jump in here Ellis is like Jesus the way I look at it yes would a lot of us have loved to say quote taken your advice or whatever uh, looked at some charts back in that 2011 or 12 standpoint place and time and would have lightened up portfolios of course but to me this is still a cyclical situation the game is not over and the game is going to come back and I'm going to be hard on you here at the moment make good conversation is like until we hit $900 an ounce we have not hit $900 an ounce looking at charts right now obviously the next lower support level is at an even 1000 now a lot of us would like to think well if that's going to happen 
let's bring it on right now. Let's make it happen right now in our face. Let's get this over with. Let's get this cleansing over with where we can get started again with another up move in the price of gold. And you could say, well, what's it going to take for gold to go back up again? But again, I'm saying we're in a cyclical situation here. And so we're going to all live for another day. There's no question. Well, you know, if gold hits $1,000 an ounce, that doesn't mean I'm full of baloney. It means that my prediction or assessment, I wouldn't even call it a prediction. I would just say it had no business being at $1,400 an ounce or $1,600 an ounce or $1,800 an ounce or even where it's at today. At 11, if it heads down to 1,000, which is just 100 points, just $100, uh, does that make me full of baloney? No. I think that I'd be right on the mark. And so many people got hurt, Dudley, in the mining sector. So many people did not sell when they should have. And I'm talking not just investors, but institutions, fund managers. I can't get anybody here in Los Angeles in the institutional area. I can't get any fund managers to even look at anything related to gold or silver right now. And I'm talking about stocks. So what do you have to say about that, sir? Well, no, I mean, I can't argue with it. But again, I'd always say from a contrarian standpoint, that probably means that we're close to a turning point. So when it seems so damn bleak, I'd have to side with the, you know, with the Rick Rules and the Frank Holmes of the world as like, yeah, this is nasty times, but uh, this too is going to pass. And so for those that have not sold yet, it's damn near too late. So now you'd be selling earn at the bottom. So even if gold drops another 100 or $200, I think it's probably going to be quick. But even some of those that are predicting this more significant drop still from these levels, Ellis, is like pretty much, and I want to say whether this is the Martin Armstrongs of the world or whatever, they're still looking for a quick rebound into this 5,000 range for gold. So we're approaching what's probably going to be a, a big fast plunge down and then a strong move back up to maybe new highs. I don't really think we need new highs in the price of gold. If gold right now, you just think about it, if, if we went back to 14 to 1500 on the price of gold where we had previously peaked at 1900 if we'd come back to 14 1500 believe me you're going to see the mother of all rallies in all of these little stocks because they will do really well on that improvement in the price we don't need a new high if we do that would be great i'm just thinking i mean i always have to take the contrarian standpoint which i believe in that we are going to live for another day and those stocks some of that I've held on to. I liquidated some. I've recently come back into the last year into other ones that are still doing well. Net-net, I still believe in this sector. Overall, it's a nightmare. And a lot of people are looking at it as a nightmare situation. You know, I agree with everything you've said. Absolutely. It, it almost has nowhere to go but up at some point. What's going to drive that? The dollar has survived all the mayhem. The euro is basically, uh, it hasn't completely crashed. It hasn't crashed. All the factors that were in play just have not have not hurt the dollar at all and there's a lot banking on the dollar right now the federal reserve i mean there's a lot in play to keep yeah. it where it's at it's been a resilient currency for over 200 years does it mean that it's invulnerable no but what are the drivers when you're investing at this point in this decade in this century in this year wouldn't you want to invest in something a bit more reliable potentially than something speculative like gold i'm not talking about silver 
Silver at least has some industrial uses. But gold, I mean, at the point where we're trading it as currency, at that point, it makes sense to come in before that happens. And we talked about this before. If even a tenth of a gram of gold or silver were used in currency like it used to be used, that's different. And I would encourage that to happen. Even the Chinese and the Russians' attempt to grow a more trans-global currency has really failed right now. So the dollar's still it and gold is uh, kind of fledgling along. I'm probably not the guy to broach this subject, but I mean, right here, I'm looking at the U.S. dollar index, okay? We're sitting at 96.76. We still have not busted through the 100 level. Even though living here in Mexico, the Mexican peso hit a long time low, you know, the other day, multi-decades low. Well, it's great when us down here are living off the U.S. dollar, so that means we get more pesos for the U.S. dollar. But the U.S. dollar still is several points below that 100 level. That's nothing but a basket of currency is it always gets me when u.s dollar strong today and i look at the u.s dollar index and say shit it's going nowhere so the u.s dollar is strong relative to the index is just a composite and basically the euro is a big p which actually is 57.6 percent of the damn u.s dollar index the huan is not there the chinese currency the russian ruble is not there and the indian currency is not there basically there's no representation so it's almost like a good old boy club with the u.s dollar and they said none of the other major players in the world are going to get to participate in this U.S. dollar index. I think this game is going to all change. I mean, whether this is six months from now or a year from now or two years from now, but this whole game we're playing right now is going to be a currency-driven game. And as these new currencies are going to demand the Chinese and the Russians and the India to be part of this whole worldwide economy, I think the game is going to change and there's going to be less emphasis, therefore, in the U.S. dollar. Again, how this plays into gold. I mean, if I were the Chinese and trying to orchestrate this whole thing, you just want a little fraction of the currency to be backed by gold, in which case then now we got a real reason for people to come back into gold again. Again, I still think that we're in a really, just say worst case scenario, we're just in a cyclical situation and gold's going to come back and it's going to live for another move. Does that mean we're going to all-time highs? I don't know. All I know is as an investor or speculator or whatever, once gold starts making a serious move back up, you're more risky in getting involved at some point. Right now, if you're a chartist and you're looking at charts, the question mark today would be, say, sitting here at just about 1,100. Do you stand to the sidelines to see if we're going to make this plunge straight down to 1,000 real quick? If so, to me, anybody's got to go in at that point in time whether you're buying the metals, whether you're buying the stocks, and you have to say that is serious support at 1,000, and that is a high probability the bottom's in. The markets always have a way of fooling people, and where everybody now is thinking we're going to go to 1,000 or we're going to break through and go to 900, the big gotcha would be that does not happen and that we have already bottomed and that now we're in the process of making kind of a flat bottom here for a bit, and then we're going to start easing on back up. Again, believe me, I mean, absolutely nobody out there knows how this game is going to play out. And so we just all have different philosophies based on what and our risk profile. And do we want to step in now? Do we want to stay in this sector? Do we just want to say, hell, we're out of the resource sector entirely and go somewhere else? We all just have those opportunities to make those decisions. I just think we're approaching the point that the best buying opportunities probably are going to be right here in this mining sector. And that's why I'm staying focused with my services on this particular sector. Well, tell me about 
commonstockwarrants.com and how you're staying focused on the sector right now and what you're saying to your subscribers when the sector is definitely depressed. What we've done, and those that have followed me in, in our conversations here will know that with Common Stock Warrants over the last year and a half, two years, we've expanded that service. So we include all of the warrants that are trading, not just the resource companies, but warrants on resource companies, but warrants on all the companies in the U.S. There's a lot of biotechs, pharmaceutical companies, autos, banks, financial services. We've got a few hundred companies now that have warrants that are trading U.S. and Canada. So our databases reflect all of this information. When I say common stock warrants now, it doesn't mean that I'm totally a resource guy anymore, not with respect to the service. I would probably say only 25 to 30 percent of the warrants trading now are resource related. The rest are in other industries and other segments. So a lot of great opportunities here. What me, I've personally been doing when I find opportunities in the resource sector. I share with my goal subscribers and my subscription category here with the goal subscribers. They get to see what I'm doing and I tell them what I'm doing. And so I've diversified out a little bit. I've kind of got a basket of what we call blank check companies, which is an interesting sector, another sector into its own right. There's roughly 10 to 15 companies and they've got warrants that are trading on those. It gives me a diversification. I put together a basket of small marijuana companies that are now part of my portfolio. I'm personally just trying to diversify my personal portfolio. And as part of the service, I kind of share with my subscribers what I'm doing. They may say, Dudley, I think you're out of your mind. They don't need to follow me on anything. For those that subscribe, they do get to see what I'm doing and hear my weekly audio. So I'm trying to diversify out as well. Even though you don't want to get too cutesy and say, hey, well, I'm going to leave the resource sector now because sure as hell you make that decision to leave, then this party is going to get started again. I've gotten pretty good over the last year or so of, let's say, rearranging the chairs, so to speak, on the deck, getting rid of some weaker players and staying with companies that I think have got good assets, have got cash that are going to be able to weather this storm, whether that means if we had another six months to a year or two years to go down. don't think that's going to be the case, but it's possible. But I want to make sure that the company that I've got a significant position in are going to be survivors. That's kind of how I'm playing it. Now, when we come to the website itself, Ellis, what I shared with you before we got going here is we just revamped the site. So we're in the process of, by the time everybody hears this recording, everything is going to be under our control and our umbrella, and it is going to be faster than lightning. All of the warrants are here. All of the warrants are up to date. You click on, you want to look at just the Canadians. If you're just a Canadian and just want to see the resource companies, you click on that button and instantly in your face, there's just the list of all the Canadian companies. You just want those trading in the U.S., there's the U.S. You want our combined list? Here's our combined list. You want Dudley's portfolio? It's there. I'm proud of where we're at right now. So we've gotten everything now in a database format and it's been a lot of programming going on behind the scenes here for several weeks. But we are just about there, and probably within the next 48 hours, this is all going to be launched. Anybody listening to this recording, this will already have been live. So I'm excited about where we're at, excited about where we're going, and I'm excited about the market opportunity. Let's face it, it's whether you come to, whether you're talking about stock warrants, whether you're talking about options, whether you're talking about whatever, volatility is just a big part of the, you might say, the excitement of the markets, because that creates opportunity. That's the way I look at it, whether you're looking to buy shares, whether you're looking to 
to buy stock options or stock warrants, that volatility is an interesting you know, part of the equation. Well, volatility creates short-term trading opportunities, doesn't it? Right. And it also creates an opportunity for people to get interested in a stock because if there's if there's no trading, if there's no volatility, it's hard to get anybody else to jump in as well. Mm-hmm. Now, you briefly spoke about marijuana stocks, but you are, in fact, the proprietor, the senior editor. You're the man who developed MarijuanaSpeculator.com. You cover over 250 companies. You focus on about 13 as your uh, constantly evolving, changing Baker's Dozen, and that's a, mm-hmm. a parlay on your last name. I was just in Washington State, and for the first time in my entire life, I just had to see it. I walked into a place where I could buy any kind of marijuana I could think of in any quantity, I think. I don't know about any quantity. There's probably a limit. But uh, it was like going into a, a liquor store or a smoke shop, and it was completely legal as long as you're over the age of 18 to buy marijuana. Not that I did. Not that there would be anything wrong with that. But I think we are at the dawn of a new age. And if not everybody's focused on marijuana stocks right now, they will be in the future. Let's talk about that, Dudley Baker. Okay, no, I think this is going to be an interesting sector. And, you know, even though we got the big pop in early 2014 here with all the legalization in in Colorado and everything, and and so many of the stocks that were trading at that point just went totally ballistic from pennies to many, many, many dollars, some into the hundreds of dollars a share range, they've all totally plunged. It's scary if you go back and you look at a chart now. But when you visit these companies and their website and you see what it is, these companies, everything got ahead of itself. Share price got way ahead of where the business truly was at. I think we're still in the formative stages, whether that means months or another year or two, of this complete industry. But so many of these companies are going to, if they have the wherewithal and survive, they're in the building of the base of their infrastructure and going forward, I think there's, there's going to be some substantial stock rises again within this sector. So I think this sector, whether some investors want to believe in it or not, or want to hear it or not, I think you just have to recognize this, this is something new on the horizon in this marijuana cannabis space, hemp space. There's just all kind of different products that are available from all the vaporizers, just everything in the world, support services for the entire industry and payment processing. And it's like so many different companies. And this is where in the marijuana speculator, we started out by tracking all of the companies trading in this space. So we're somewhere I want to say got to be 275 to 80 companies totally that are trading. Most of them, probably the average investor would be wise to stay the hell away from. But to me, I deem it relevant that I want the whole population. I'm showing our subscribers here is the whole population of companies that are trading U.S., Canada, and everything is there. And we've got everything hyperlinked for you, and everything is really cool. Then we kind of broke it down uh, more recently here to what we do call the Baker's Dozen. And that's the focusing on what we deem to be top 13 companies, interesting speculations. And I like to say that we're not looking to be traders in and out, just scalping a half a penny or a penny on something. I'd like to think we're still a little bit more long-term players in these. So even though some of these have slipped down and we're showing some losses on some of these positions, I look at it where we're longer term. I'm not too worried about it. These companies are building their base as well. But it's really, really interesting stuff going on. And I'll say marijuana speculator, just like what we're doing over at Common Stock Warrants, by the time anybody listens to this recording and you 
you go to marijuanaspeculator.com, this will be totally revamped behind the scenes with the baker's dozens, with our complete list, with our watch list of additional stocks that we're looking for next that are on our horizon. We'll have our scorecard as to how we've been doing up to now and everything is basically just at a flip of a switch instantaneous and in your face all in just a really cool database format i'm excited from two standpoints number one as an investor at this point in time to have still the opportunity to be involved in the mining sectors because i do optimistically see this all coming back and a lot of money to be made in this mining sector one more time as well as i see great opportunities in the marijuana space if we can figure out these right companies that we think have got great growth potential and that's what we're looking for with through marijuana speculator but as well as the owner of both of these sites i'm excited about we're increasing our subscriber base not just to have numbers but to think that we're giving our subscribers great value i know that we've created now two websites that are very professional and that will kind of now stand the test of time so to speak so i'm proud of what we've accomplished there i'm excited going forward again as an investor and the proprietor of both of these services i think our timing is just wonderful well i think it is the right time to get involved with commonstockwarrants.com and marijuana speculator both when mining stocks are depressed and marijuana stocks are depressed and they have potentially some place to go in the future and with commonstockwarrants.com you're looking at many different sectors and there's real opportunity there dudley baker it's been a very nice pleasure to speak with you again on the program today thanks for joining me great to be back ellis thanks dudley baker again the website commonstockwarrants.com and marijuanaspeculator.com you can listen to the segment again on our website ellis martinreport.com or download the entire Ellis Martin Report on your phone or anywhere else you can download iTunes. I'm Ellis Martin. The following segment is sponsored by Wellgreen Platinum, trading in the U.S. as WGPLF and on the TSX as WG. Located in the Yukon Territory, Canada, the Wellgreen Project has the potential to become one of the world's largest and lowest cost open pit producers of platinum group metals and nickel. Find them on the web at wellgreenplatinum.com. David Morgan is an expert on silver, gold, and precious metals investments. He's a world-renowned lecturer, appearing on CNBC and the Fox Business Channel. He's an author, having penned Get the Skinny on Silver Investing. And Mr. Morgan is a regular contributor and friend of the Ellis Martin Report. I'm Ellis Martin. In this segment, I visited with the silver guru, David Morgan, in eastern Washington State, not too far from the Silver Valley. We had a peaceful get-together on the back 40, and then this conversation. David, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me out to your personal Ponderosa here in Washington State. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Ellis, and uh, thanks for coming out. You've been here once before, I think, or maybe twice. It's kind of fun to see you literally in my backyard and be able to do an interview face-to-face. It's very cool, and it's very peaceful out here, and I'm enjoying myself and not anxious to get back home anytime soon, but I know you're going to kick me out after a while. But anyway, I digress. David, you and I could go back and forth, as we usually do, and and talk about the mining sector and, and gold and silver, and there's certainly a lot to talk about or perhaps nothing to talk about. But uh, I need to ask you, what's on top of your plate right now? What piques your interest when eyes are off of the sector at the moment? Well, I think I'll address the sector. Off the sector, I have other interests, and you know a lot of them since we're friends. But I have to mention the gold smash and the silver smash that took place recently. In fact, I'm writing the editorial for the Morgan Report, started this morning, going through all the ups and downs and why the metals prices are where they are and how they got there and why it's not over and all of that. 
So I just briefly state that price is not reflective of the quality of the asset. And the gold run will begin. Silver will come along with it. And I do still expect that to happen probably in the fall of this year. But as we did a little pre-interview, you know, we always look for opportunities in the resource sector. And we have one that we've been following for more than a year. No one on our service knows about it except for our mastermind group. The main function of the mastermind group is not to put out high risk, high speculative companies at an early stage, which we do do from time to time. But it's mostly to get like the most beneficial information from all sources for the mastermind group, meaning that we get private interviews with some of the better knowns in the industry and insights that they probably wouldn't get anywhere else. But from time to time, we do see opportunities that are available for that would be the liking of, say, a fund manager or an accredited investor or something along those lines that we will, of course, put out to that group. And we have done that with this company. But we've been following the story, as I said, for over a year. And it really is almost more of a technology stock than a mining stock. In fact, there is somebody that's in the newsletter industry that's extremely well known. And he spent some time with the CEO of the company, which we both know, and said this was a real game changer. This is going to be instrumental in the mining sector. I believe the same. I don't want to put words in somebody's mouth, but I do want to kind of give a heads up to those that listen to this program because it's something that we will be featuring in the Morgan Report once we make our boots on the ground. And it's going to be everybody. And normally on a mining visit, it's me and maybe one other person or maybe two people at the most. This time we're taking everybody. It's going to be my webmaster, both analysts and myself. So it'll be four of us minimum on this project. And the project is very environmentally friendly. And it's a mining project. Yeah, what I call it, I mean, they may have a different wording for it, but the essence is it's a self-contained mobile mining unit. And this is something that, again, could be, and I think will be, a game changer. Because let's do a quick example. The pilot project that we're going to go visit here probably within the next month or so is in one of the 50 states of the Union. And it's... uh, That narrows it down, by the way. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not trying to give out too much. And basically, it's for a project, I'll say project, not a mine because a lot of these situations are not mines yet and you can roll this thing on it's the size of like a large rv and it's modular and you can roll this thing on and go to like say the tailings that are there that already exist and basically the only manual labor is putting the rock into the hopper and after that the process starts and it starts to crush the rock and water through it and grind it and get it down into what we call ore grade. And it's very efficient. In fact, on the environmental side, if you just look at the abilities project has, it has reduced water consumption because all the water is self-contained. So that's a big feat for a lot of projects is where do we get the water from? So the unit shows up with its own water it's supply? It's got its own water supply and it comes out at the end basically cleaner than most water you'll find anywhere. I mean, yeah. it's very clean. There is some some uh, usage, in other words, it doesn't recover 100%, covers like in the 90-something percent. I want to give a number that's inaccurate. I think it's really high, like 96% or something, but you might have to add a little water, but that's something you could do with a pickup truck. The discharges are basically self-contained. It accelerates the permitting process because you really don't have to have a permit when it's all self-contained. So if you're, let's say, let's just back off a little bit and say you've got a project, you need financing, you need to get funds. You're in the bottom of the market, which you are right now. You know it's good, and you basically are kind of out of luck. Well, this appears, this 
mobile mining unit and you roll it on and you start these tailings that you already have on the property and you start to recover gold and silver out of this or you could do other metals but primarily it's built for the precious metals but you can tweak the circuit for other metals if you want to and there's no toxic chemicals required there's no tailings pond involved it's got an extremely small environmental footprint and there's basically no infrastructure required i mean you basically drive this thing on not the cat to go get the tailings and throw them up into the hopper as i said earlier so that's it and it optimizes the yield of the gold bearing material speaking gold in this case the effective recoveries go through several processes one just the basic gravity device which is one of the first rounds and it reduces a lot of the workload and again the permitting the efficiencies are quite high the recoveries are quite good very economical so again i keep reaching back but if you're a project owner and you start to get gold out of these tailings and do a split with this company let's say for talking purposes of 50 50 basis and all of a sudden you've produced you know two million dollars worth of gold over say a six month time frame or one million just making up numbers the numbers aren't that important they're important but it's the idea but you don't have to dilute your shareholders because you have on site this material that you have now refined and are able to sell at the marketplace and there's no dilution in shares so you don't look for financing your financing is on your project so I want to be very very clear here first of all we want to really wade through the entire thing the pilot plants working quite well I've got movies of it but we're going to get boots on the ground we're going to examine it we're going to take our own film crew which we do you know our premium service as you well know Ellis is an advantage you have for the Morgan Report that you usually don't have some other companies which means you get to go along with us on some of these property visits and you get to see it live and in person just sitting at your computer and playing the film so after our due diligence we're probably going to write it up does that mean we're going to write it up in the August report no probably September October November I don't know probably within the next three months if and only if it passes our due diligence but it's one of those things that is very exciting especially during the doldrums that we're in right now. Going back in time, things are supposed to be kind of at the level they're at right now a year ago. And uh, you know, I'm old enough and have enough gray hair and been around the industry long enough to know that things never go as easily as they do on paper. And once you put, implement them, there's always bugs to work out and problems and things don't match right. And there's things that need to be accomplished before you get it optimized. But that's what's happening now. But being able to unlock the value of a small deposit, again, this wouldn't work for a new mine. It wouldn't work for Agnico Eagle. It's working for the small properties that have assets that they are well known. And again, the tailings is the best example. That's the one that we're using for this pilot situation. By the way, I do own shares. I was involved with the private placement. And once we write it up, there'll be the opportunity for Morgan Report subscribers to get on board at a lower price. At least currently, it's a lower price than what I paid for on the financing. That's quite typical today with the problems in our sector being low prices followed by lower prices followed by even lower prices. So I don't mind that. That doesn't bother me at all. I feel somewhat remiss to our mastermind people, but they understand the risks involved. But it unlocks the value from a small deposit, accelerates cash flow significantly because most of these type of projects would never be able to get the finances they need to make a profitable business at this point in the industry. Well, it's been that way for a long time in the mining sector. 
intersection with junior market anyway because to attempt to raise money to bring the order market has always been an issue and it's dependent on fund managers and institutions and, and that's never been uh, free-flowing, not in the last few years, and it's impossible now. And one of the things about energy companies, if you've, if you've got oil wells and they're producing oil, that's immediate money. You don't have to go to market for this. So essentially, this particular device, this machinery, affords a way for a company with no budget to generate cash flow right away. Absolutely. No, well said, and more succinctly than yours truly. Again, it's low capital expenditure required for each selected project. The portable units can be removed from the project and redeployed at any time. Of course, you have to have the right kind of property. You can't just say, oh, I know it's there and start throwing dirt in the hopper and expect to get gold out of it. Well, who's doing the due diligence? Because I imagine this this technology company, they're risking the equity by bringing this equipment in. There's cost involved with that. Are their engineers doing the due diligence on the property? The company's engineers, the geologists have to provide the data? I'm curious. Yeah, exactly. There's a team that will go in and evaluate the project before they send the machine in there and make a pretty good look, if you will, what they have, where it is, how accessible it is. This thing could go almost anywhere and then just take it from there and then it's seen as believing. So for this particular pilot project, again, I think it's a 50-50 split. So all the gold that's refined that goes into ore and sold on the market, half goes to the company and half goes to this company that I'm talking about. And that's a, a pretty fair deal for both parties. According to the CEO of the company that I'm quite close to, and he has a track record. He's brought a small silver company to a level that was purchased by mid-tier some years ago. And of course, shareholders did well with that acquisition. And he told me about this idea, I think about two years ago. And I said, wow, why didn't someone else think of that? Because it really makes a lot of sense for a small operator to start in and forego the permitting, forego all that's involved with starting a mine. And we all know that to get a mine permitted and up and going is a huge CapEx, capital expenditure, takes tons of money. And then, of course, you usually have to dilute the shareholders and all that's by the wayside now. So this is a game changer for the small operator. So, yeah, they go in, they start it. And let's say they did their due diligence to drive this thing on board and they start in for, you know, I'm not going to speak for the company, but, you know, three or four weeks go by and they're really not getting the yield that they thought that they would then they're just basically going to drive off and I'm not going to get into the contracts because I haven't even seen one with the company per se. But again, it's a split and it's agreed to on both sides. And according to the founder of this company, he's got a backlog of several companies that have got their hand up saying, me too, me too, me too, because they know they have decent projects. They don't want to do anything except raise money. And this is the most efficient, effective way to do it. Again, I'll just repeat myself. There is somebody in the newsletter industry, very well followed, very well known, been known to get a lot of exposure to companies. He does more on the uh, speculative side than I do. He will be writing this up somewhat after the Morgan Report does. And once it hits uh, his website, there'll be great attention to it, I believe. Depending on the market, I mean, I've had deals that I thought were absolutely awesome. I wrote them up and nothing really took place. And then someone else wrote them up and they took off. I've had stuff happen where I wrote it up, thought it was great. And then someone else wrote it up and still stayed stagnant. It's very hard to get one of these uh, smaller companies or any company these days to move because, again, the sentiment in this industry is so low. But again, this is like a technology innovation that's really low-tech slash high-tech. Low-tech meaning almost everything that is in this mobile mill is available off the shelf. It's just put together in sequence in a, in a way that makes it very, very smart way to 
go for the gold. The Yellow Smart Report is sponsored by Wellgreen Platinum. Wellgreen Platinum is a Canadian mining exploration and development company focused on the active advancement of its 100% owned Wellgreen PGM and nickel project toward production. A 2015 economic assessment shows the Wellgreen project located in the Canadian Yukon to be potentially the second largest PGM producer outside Southern Africa and Russia with average annual production of over 200,000 ounces platinum, palladium, and gold, along with 128 billion pounds of nickel and copper from just 34% of the pit-constrained resource, making it possibly one of the largest in the world. Estimates show that once in production with assets near or at the surface, this low-cost producer may generate cash flow exceeding as much as $330 million per year. Situated along a major highway in a mining-friendly jurisdiction with an active market for PGMs and nickel, and with a strong management team, Wellgreen is certainly to be considered a candidate for your portfolio. Find them on the web at wellgreenplatinum.com. With near $1,100 gold, of course it's hard to get specifics. Any idea of the potential production cost with, let's say, tailings of the nature of the type that you're talking about uh, per ounce? It varies, as we both know, Ellis. There's grade and there's grade. And what I mean by that right. dumb statement is that you can have a pretty high-grade project Let's pick a number, like six grams of gold per ton, but the yield is low because there's a lot of nasties with it, or if you're doing a conventional mining operation, the strip ratio might be very high, or you've got to move a lot of dirt or waste with it. So that's what's evaluated on the start, like you mentioned a moment ago, Ellis, where you have to do your due diligence really before you roll the mobile mill on there. But in today's world, some of the biggest miners in the world are mining a gram per ton. I'm not saying this machine could do a gram per ton. I think it's got to be somewhere in a three gram or higher. That's what my memory says. I'm not able to disclose an exact number right now because honestly, I don't recall. But it would vary. If there's something very clean at the three grams per ton, I think it would work because all those associated costs that normally go into a project, you don't have to spend them. Well, the demand's always going to be there for, for gold, no matter what the market says right now on paper. I'm wondering, is this equipment proprietary or are the patents? Will this be the only source of, of this type of processing available in the world? Yes, for the time being. I mean, let's be honest here. You can have a patent and not be that well protected because, first of all, as I said, it's mostly off-the-shelf equipment that's linked together and someone can put in something different in the circuit and all of a sudden it's within the law that it's a new product and that type of thing. But I think there's enough of a head start here that this company will do quite well. And there's certainly room for competitors, obviously. There's a lot of projects out there, these small ones, that do have merit in this methodology that would never have merit in the old school way of doing mining. What's the treasury look like for this company without giving anything away here? What if they need to ramp up right away? Hopefully well. I say hopefully because I want to be honest here. They just did a raise very recently. It's enough to get the company to the next level. But like most of these type of situations, again, repeating myself in today's environment, it's difficult to raise funds, but they do have hardware. So the company's backed by a physical asset that produces gold, basically. It looks to me from this last financing that just took place recently that they'll be in place not only is it in place and producing which we're going to go film and you know put out in a write-up and film product that we do for our premium client it'll be there for everybody to do their own due diligence on i mean i want to be very clear it's a highly speculative situation but again it's something that is new to the mining industry in so many ways. And we really like it from the aspect of, you know, I'm going to digress and go into kind of, you know, I don't want to go my life story, but 
I've always been kind of for the underdogs. One of the reasons probably I'm more favorable to silver than gold. But this is a situation where someone has put their heart and soul into a project and really is at their wit's end and they know what they've got. They really do have something where they can get rebooted and start their facility. Whereas without this, they'd have to wait probably for the next mining cycle to take place. So the time factor can be reduced by as much as two or three years in this particular market, right? Yeah, at least, I'd say. Depends again on the project. But, you know, I get a mine out and permitted and the pre-feasibility and the feasibility and a bankable feasibility and get the money and then start building the roads and getting the water supply and electrical. If all that's very handy and nearby, which in some cases it is, still takes years Whereas this situation is like, do the due diligence, get the team out there, say, yeah, it looks like you have what you say you have. Again, the proof's in the pudding. Wheel this thing on, drive it on board. It's all self-contained. Start throwing stuff into the hopper and seeing what comes out the other end. And if it's good grade and saleable in the marketplace, you start making money right here, right now. Now, with that money, you can do whatever a good mining project would entail. In other words, you could ramp it up and put in a full mine, or maybe you would just go with this or whatever. But it's it's a situation, again, that gives a lot of ability for a small operator to operate and get cash flow almost immediately. Now, I know your subscribers are going to be interested in it because your hardcore subscribers, as well as my followers, we like opportunity. We look for opportunity when no one else is looking at the sector. But I'm thinking, as I'm listening to this program, and you mentioned the pilot project somewhere here in the U.S., I'm thinking I'm listening to this program as a director of maybe one of the many junior mining companies that are still out there listening in with projects in Mexico, in the, in the Yukon, and I'm thinking that I need a company saver right now. How do I get this machine? How do I learn about it? Do I have to wait for, the, for your video? I want to talk to David. I mean, there's so many points of potential excitement here. What do you say to those individuals that are listening to this broadcast right now? Well, the founder of the company, of course, is in touch and, you know, he's in Vancouver and he's pretty well known. And if there are, say, a handful or two of companies that are already aware of it, and then we'll write it up for our members. And then once that's done, then this other individual that's very popular, very well known, very outspoken, probably going to write it as well. Once that takes place, then I think it'll be pretty well spread out through the junior mining sector. So at that point, you'll have all kinds of companies that'll be raising their hands and jumping up and down and saying, me too, me too, come on my property and let's go for it. Let's do a split on the revenues based on what metal we have. And that's where they'll be more selective, really. Like you said, well, how do you determine who you're going to go for? And the answer is, well, probably whoever's going to be best of the bottom line of this company, but it'll allow the company to grow. So instead of having one mobile unit, you'll have two, three, four, and there's probably an optimum amount I don't know what that would be, especially in the doldrums where we are now, but I could feature three, four, five, I think, pretty easily. I think there's probably a sweet spot where you don't want to build too many of these. The marketplace is pretty good at determining that overall, and we'll have to wait and see. Okay, so are you going to recommend to, let's say, me, your friend and business associate, that I consider this particular company as an investment opportunity? And will you recommend it to our followers as a potential investment opportunity? And in what category would that fall into? I'm guessing it would be very speculative. Yeah, it's a highly speculative situation. So you want to bet risk capital on it. So that would be number one. Number two, realize I'm already involved on a financial level, basically at a 50% premium to where the company's selling right now. That could change. As far as what will happen to the stock price once it's 
better known probably will increase, but we can't promise any of that. And I think it's something that the market needs a shot in the arm, probably the junior market more than the seniors, although everybody's suffering. And this might just be one of those catalysts, and I'm not saying it will be, I'm saying it could be, where all of a sudden there's some interest in the market again because this is such a great thing such a great technology, if you will, for the industry at large. It will basically could ramp up the idea that, wow, this is a game changer. I mean, that's what I believe the CEO told me that my friend in the industry said about it. It's a game changer, and I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. That was my understanding. I would also go on to say that could be one of those that we've gotten skillful at or lucky. Take your whatever adjective you wish. If you go back in better days, I mean, when we started with Western Copper that became Western Silver, which became bought out by Glamis and then bought out by Gold Corp. I mean, that company was a speculative company, and rightfully so when it was Western Copper. But we watched that company grow, and as it grew and became a different company, it moved up from the speculative list to a higher listing in the Morgan Report because it had become a different company. I mean, this Penasquito mine, pretty well known, and it does a pretty good bottom line for Gold Corp even today. I'm not saying this is going to happen. What I'm saying is that with risk comes reward, and high risk, a lot of these things fail, and certainly I will be truthful. We've had some really pretty awesome projects that have not worked out. I could go on and on there and I don't want to dwell and beat myself up because like others, we've lost money. But if you obey the rules and the rules being, you know, how to use the Morgan Report and you bet a little to win a lot. And if the company starts actually proving itself, then you can add in more funds. If that makes sense. In other words, we've always been in the belief that you are much better off putting big money into big companies. In other words, one of my earliest subscribers back in year two, three, or four, never invested in a mining project in his entire life and was just very excited about the sector. And I recommended a company that's in the top tier. And it's about, uh, it was about a $14 stock. Today, it's about a $40 stock. And some of these top tiers that we've recommended have done that, that continue to up and down, but the overall trend is up. And these are usually royalty companies. Uh, We make no bones about it. We're in the analytical business. We're here to make money. And the best way to make money in this sector, and has been through good and bad times, is to look at the royalty companies. But anyway, point being is bet a little win a lot. If the company improves, you could bet more. If it improves more, you can sell off and you know have a free ride, which you know if you double or triple your money, you sell it off and this thing really goes and you got a core position, uh, you could do quite well. On the other hand, and I'll talk about the other hand, you know, I've been in this industry 40 years and I've seen stuff that looked great and didn't work out. Will that be the case here? I would have to say truthfully to be determined. We don't know, but we're excited enough to go down there, film everything, look at everything, talk to not the operator so much which we'll be doing but also the project owner and ask him well what do you think are you getting the yields you thought you had you know mm. making up numbers six grams per ton and out the other end you're only yielding you know 3.5 just get both I want both sides of the story as I always try to achieve it would seem that you're probably going to follow the companies that this particular mining technology company partners with so that you can potentially profit as an investor from their bottom line as well. Possibly. I wouldn't rule that out. It just depends on you know where it goes. I mean, I have my own thoughts on how to make this company more efficient and what I would do if I were running it, but I'm not. 
it's different than the model that they have and I'm not in the business of telling anybody how to run their own company. If it were me, I'd probably take some of the product, gold, and store it, store it put it on the <laughs> shelf at these prices. But, uh, you know, again, I'm not running the company. Uh, David, how do we subscribe to the Morgan Report if we haven't already done so? The best way is just go to the website themorganreport.com and the sign up features on a drop down menu we have the basic the premium which is the ones that you get the video on and then of course the mastermind I mentioned earlier well David it's always a pleasure to speak with you and in this case in person an extreme pleasure uh, thank you for uh, taking the time out of your day to uh, chat with me and I just want to say a disclaimer on here one you heard me once but I do own it two the verbal is the best of my ability as far as the numbers I gave and that type of thing I want to be clear on the idea I just want to disclaim that, again, the best of my ability, I don't want to overstate anything. I usually try very much to understate things, but nonetheless, the write-up may be somewhat different than what I verbalize here because when we put it in print, it's not a hearsay interview. I'll make certain to absolute scrutiny that we have available that all that we put in that's factually accurate will be vetted before we publish Very good. David, thanks again for joining me today on the program. My pleasure. Thank you. I've been speaking with the silver guru, David Morgan. His website is themorganreport.com. Listen to the segment again on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com, or download the entire Ellis Martin Report on iTunes. The preceding segment is sponsored by Wellgreen Platinum. Trading in the U.S. is WGPLF and on the TSX is WG. Located in the Yukon Territory, Canada, the Wellgreen Project has the potential to become one of the world's largest and lowest cost open pit producers of platinum group metal and nickel. Find them on the web at wellgreenplatinum.com. Join us next time for the Ellis Martin Report. Remember, this is actually one of those paid programs where companies and individuals pay us to let you hear all about themselves. Get more of these powerful programs free on the web at ellismartinreport.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.